few moments. All right, to get us started this morning, you got slides? Yes, sir, there we go. Uh, we're going to, this is, this is the beginning of October, obviously, it's October the 2nd. Uh, this is our Missions Emphasis Month. It officially kicks off next Sunday, and uh, we're going to have a different missionary here every week of the remainder of October. Uh, October the 9th, uh, we're going to have one of our church planners who we currently support by the name of Andrew Toole. He will be with us. They're coming up on one-year anniversary at uh, the Lighthouse Baptist uh, Church on the Eastern Shore down in Lower Alabama. And uh, we're looking forward to hearing uh, how God has blessed their ministry in this past year. And I wanted to really, for our church, to be a great encouragement to them. Planning a church is no easy task. It is very difficult. And uh, there's a lot of discouragements along the way as you're trying to figure things out and, uh, and let the Lord use you to build His church. And uh, so I'm excited to have him and his family with us uh, next Sunday. He'll be presenting his work uh, in the uh, morning service, just giving us an update, and he'll be back Sunday night uh, to preach. Then on October the 16th, we will have with us Jim Canavan. And uh, we support him. He is a church planner in New York City. And uh, they just got started in the last year. And the Lord is working in their ministry there. And uh, I want to tell you something. After our recent trip in New York City, that is no easy task to, uh, uh, to be used of the Lord in that place. And uh, but we're thankful for them. And uh, they're going to be with us uh, on that particular Sunday. On October the 23rd, I tried everything that I possibly could to get one of our Filipino pastors here in America and to present the work and just give you an update in person of what the Lord is doing there in the Philippines. Uh, but due to the lasting effects of COVID, uh, they, we, we tried to expedite uh, his meeting with a consulate to, be, to allow him to come to America. Uh, but right now, the appointments are pushed out an entire year. And uh, you just don't get a passport and leave and go. Uh, they have to get approval, they have to get a travel visa, and they were not allowed to get, he wasn't allowed to get that at this time. And so we're going to have Jeremy Rowland with us. We support him. He's with Baptist Church Planning Ministries. And so he will be with us on that particular Sunday, October the 23rd. And then the 30th, we're going to have the Pearson family with us. And uh, they were with us early in the year. And uh, we currently do not support them. Uh, but uh, they're a wonderful family looking to minister in the inner city uh, part of Cincinnati, Ohio. And uh, if you had the opportunity to be with him on a Sunday night when he preached, I mean, what a, what a wonderful blessing uh, that his family was to our church. And uh, they're going to be with us the weekend of October the 30th. And so be aware of that, and uh, they'll be preaching in the evening services and uh, looking forward to a great month as we gather together. Our theme for the month is Arise and Go. You'll see it's taken from Acts chapter 8, verse 26 in front of the pulpit here. And uh, I'll be really preaching a message on that next Sunday as to get us started. Uh, but uh, looking forward to the opportunities the Lord has for us. Let me just give you an update on some things that's happened this week, okay? In the next slide, you're going to see a woman that no one knows how old she is, including herself. Uh, she is uh, an aged woman who lives in Zambia, Africa. 
And the Collins family were ministering uh, to uh, this particular region uh, several hours. It took them two days to drive there. But it's a ministry that they have started in the remote areas in the lake region uh, uh, in, in Zambia. And uh, they, they took some medical supplies that our church purchased to enable them to minister. And it was just an open door for them to you know, meet the physical need, which opened up the opportunity to meet a spiritual need. Well, this woman accepted Jesus as her Savior this week, all right? And so we praise the Lord for that. Now, I don't have pictures of this next thing, but uh, Brian, Brian messaged me. We talk every week, usually multiple times a week. And uh, we, were, we were talking, and he said that the next day, it was their last day, they were going to a region, uh, a very remote region in Zambia, as long as the waves on the lake were not too bad. And, and thankfully, they were able to go. And uh, they went to this remote village near the Congo. And as they approached the village, the people ran from them. They were scared to death of white people. They, they, most of them have never even seen a white person. And so as they approached, they ran from them. And they came with the medical supplies. And at first, no one wanted to have anything to do with them. But because it was a medical attention, they weren't sure about it. But they, they knew they had some elderly people who needed some help if they could offer it. And so they sent their elderly uh, to Brian and those who were with him at first. And as they got to see that they were real... Then they gathered around, and 13 people accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior in a remote part of the world that didn't, has never heard the gospel. So let's praise the Lord for that, all right? Now, I talk to our Filipino pastors uh, all the time. I talk to them at least once a week, sometimes all of them uh, once a week. I usually try to contact some every, on a weekly basis. Uh, I talked to, uh, I reached out to all of them last night uh, because now it is 11.38 p.m. there. Their Sunday is over. And I reached to, out to them at 9 o'clock a.m. there. It was 8 o'clock our time, letting them know that I was stopping right then to pray for their ministries uh, that day. And uh, Pastor Anthony uh, sent me word throughout the night that uh, they had seven people accept Christ as their Savior in their church, in their one ministry uh, on Sunday morning. And uh, before we give the Lord a round of praise, let's look at the next videos. That's, that's Pastor Daniel. Uh, Daniel has uh, had the opportunity to baptize some new believers this morning. This is one. Show another one. This is another individual. And it's funny, his hands are like that. If you saw all the pictures, he actually was baptized like that. He, he went down that way and came up this way right here. All right, but uh, that, that's him uh, being... I think that's a little girl. That's, that's a little girl uh, who also was baptized today. And so let's give the Lord a round of applause for that. You know, they had over 400 children accept Christ as their Savior in their vacation Bible school over the summer. So next week, what you'll be getting is everyone, when you walk in the auditorium, you'll get a little card. It's, a, it's a, just a piece of paper. And it's called Our Faith Promise Missions Giving. And uh, all of you who have been here for a number of years, you know this. But if you're new to our church, 
we support our church missions, all of our missionaries, all the missionaries that you see down this hallway as you're walking to the auditorium are, are ministries that are supported financially and prayerfully by our church. And we, we budget our giving through our faith promise commitments. And uh, so everyone will be getting a card uh, beginning the next Sunday, and uh, we'll pass them out throughout the month. And there will be a place for you to, uh, to prayerfully, and we want you to prayerfully uh, consider this. And there will be a place for you to donate uh, just one time, just a one-time gift. Maybe it's a weekly gift, maybe it's monthly. Uh, but we, we collect that at the end of the month on Sunday night, October the 30th. And uh, we'll, uh, Miss Liz will add all of that up, all of our commitments, and that will set our budget for 2023. Now, one of the ministries that I want us to consider supporting is uh, Pastor Brad Brandon was with us back in May. He pastors a church in, in Connecticut, and at that time he told me that his, his church leadership has already talked to him about this and his burden about, um, about the ministry in Nigeria and all the doors that God was opening up there. And uh, they were been praying about it for some time. And uh, he has resigned his church to focus entirely on the ministry there and across Nigeria. If you'll show that for us, uh, Dan. You can follow that on Facebook across Nigeria. There's also a website. But there's a ministry there that is reaching the Nigerians. And uh, really, our focus is on the Fulani Muslims, um, people who have... at in times past, if you read anything about Nigeria, usually it has to do with uh, the killing of Christians by either the Fulani Muslims or Boko Haram or one of the other terrorist groups there. Recently, recently we had an individual who had just got saved. He was a Muslim himself, accepted Christ, and uh, there was put out a hit on his life. And uh, the uh, terrorist groups came in there, they kidnapped him in the middle of the night and uh, took him to some place and were reaching out to, our, to the ministry of across Nigeria trying to receive a ransom for that. And uh, that, is a, that is a normal thing that happens there in Nigeria. And uh, we prayerfully uh, was praying about that. Pastor Brandon sent out emails about that for us to pray for Sanjo. And uh, it was several weeks. We were praying that he wouldn't lose his faith, that he wouldn't deny Christ, that he would commit to his salvation testimony. And it took a number of weeks, but finally Sanjo was released. And uh, he was, we, uh, we was able to get him and take him to a community that we have there in uh, Nigeria. We have, set, we have communities that are, that are not publicized, but they're hidden places where Muslims who have gotten saved, I mean, their families get so upset about this, they'll want their family members killed and, uh, because of their new faith in Jesus Christ. And so if that's the case, uh, the pastors get them to these communities where they are basically refugees and uh, they're, they're, they're ministered to and helped and uh, try to get a new life uh, there because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, the ministry in Nigeria is not on the front lines. It is 
It is beyond the front lines. It is in enemy territory. Think of the airborne in, uh, in France when they went behind the front lines in Germany. That is the ministry in Nigeria. And uh, we've opened up schools there uh, where the gospel, the Bible is being taught. They're learning English through, through the King James Bible and uh, the ministry there. And uh, just we, I, I want our church to be a part of that. And then the next slide is just me and uh, Brother Kiefer with one of the churches there in Bulacan. And uh, we have, there's, a, there's about 12 settlements where, because Manila has a population of 15 to 20 million people, they're, they're forcing people out of the city. And uh, as a matter of fact, if you live outside the city, uh, according to your last name, you're not allowed to enter the city except for particular uh, hours of the day. But this is one of the settlements there. And uh, right now we have five churches that are planted in, uh, in these settlements. And uh, the numbers are growing there. In those settlements are about 10,000 people who live in this little place. Their, their houses uh, are about 12 foot wide by 16 foot deep. That is where they live. This is actually in one of the houses uh, where we've gathered the children together. Uh, but our, our ministry is expanding. We've already uh, took up more support there with the FNPP. But I'm trying to raise more financial support with other churches. But I want us to increase our support in this ministry as well. Uh, because, because I can't think of anywhere else in the world where we're, where we're making such an internal impact on a weekly basis. And so I want you to be praying about that if you would. And then the Pearson family, this is them uh, coming up. Uh, that's uh, Daniel and his family. And uh, they're just a great blessing. And uh, serving, wanting to plant a church in the inner city of Cincinnati. And uh, I've been following him. We had them come in. And uh, we're going to have them come back at the end of this month. And uh, we want to take them on for support at the end or our next, our next budget year. Now let me go over some things real quickly before we get in the Word. I had Miss Liz run some numbers for us. In 2013 and 14, our missions budget was just under $101,000. The next year it increased to $109,952. This, this wasn't our budget. This is what was given uh, toward Faith Promise Missions uh, those years. And this is from October 1st, through September 30th, uh, because we renew our commitments every October. So, uh, so these are the 12 months, from October 1st to September 30th. So 2015-16, it was $127,000. Then we jumped up in 2016-17 to $163,795.40, and that's been our high number right there. 2017-18, it dropped down a little bit. 18 and 19, it went down to 140,000. 19 and 20, down to 138. Last year, $137,256.87. Our giving for 2021 to 2022. Give the Lord a big hand. Give yourselves a big hand. That's 23,000 higher than the highest number we've had in the past. And that was, 
she let me know that that was $7,800 above what was even committed last year. And uh, so we, we praise the Lord for that. And uh, we have, we have I, I, I made it clear that when we got to the end of the year, I wanted to be sure that all of our finances were covered for one quarter. And, uh, so, and anything above that that was in the bank that was above that, we would be spreading it out through our missionaries because I want all of that to go to missions. And uh, so we're preparing to do that now. But I wanted to praise the Lord and praise the church, give thanks to the church for obeying the Lord and in, in sharing the gospel throughout the, throughout the world. So give yourselves a big hand one more time for that. Now I know I, I, know I took up a lot of my preaching time this morning, but I've purposely prepared my message uh, to fit in our service today. I want you to stand with me in Luke chapter 19, and we're going to begin in verse number 1 this morning. And I want us to look at the subject of an encounter with Jesus Christ. I'll read the odd verses. You help me read the even verses this morning. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, and said unto him, Zacchaeus, Make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore it him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he is also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Father, we pray for the preaching of your word. Help me, empower me, use me this morning. Help me to speak clearly your truth. And may it minister to all of us as individuals, we pray in Jesus', Jesus name. Amen. Now, Zacchaeus, he and Jesus Christ are the main characters of this particular passage. And Zacchaeus was the chief publican, as mentioned in verse number 2, which meant he was responsible for collecting the taxes. and also means that he was not very well liked. I've never met an IRS agent but I've never heard of anybody praising one. Amen? The Bible says at the end of verse 2 that he was also rich. And if you're taking money from my family and you're wealthy yourself, that means that you're probably not very well liked. But it's also a very good chance that he knew how to take advantage of the people, as he admits later, In verse number 8. 
No reputable person would be seen with such a man as Zacchaeus. But this man wanted to get close to Jesus when he heard that Jesus was passing by. And he sought to see Jesus in verse number 3 because he wanted to know more about him. Because of his stature, he couldn't get through. He couldn't get through the press and he couldn't look over their shoulders to see Jesus coming by. And nor could he get close to Jesus. So it says in verse 4 that he ran before, he ran a little ways ahead. He climbed up into a sycamore tree for the purpose of seeing Jesus Christ. And I picture that individual, a wealthy individual, unlike by many people in the community, running through the crowd and climbing up into a tree. He wanted to see Jesus because Jesus would pass by that way. And just as Jesus came to the tree, Christ stopped, looked up at this despised individual, and called him by name in verse number 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today I must abide at thy house. Now when Zacchaeus is a counter with Jesus Christ, there's three things that I want to quickly highlight to you this morning. And the first is this, that Zacchaeus' encounter with Jesus revealed to him a seeking Savior. Zacchaeus sought to see Jesus and who he was. Zacchaeus ran ahead and climbed in the tree because he wanted to see the Christ. But what he learns later in verse number 10, Jesus said unto him, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. What Zacchaeus learned on that particular day is that while he was trying to find God, while he was trying to see Jesus Christ with his own eyes, he discovered Jesus was already seeking him. Do you know what it's like to know the Lord just stopped by and called your name? Maybe you went to a church service because you had been hearing stories of things that have been going on there. Maybe you attended vacation Bible school. Maybe, maybe you attended church because you were seeking God. But do you know of a time when you were sitting there and that still small voice came by you? And begin to tug at your heart and tell you to come with me. You see, we're all about the gospel. We're all about sharing the death, the burial, and resurrection, and the forgiveness of sins, and the redemption that is 
been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. We're be, we believe in the sanctification of the believer. We believe in the justification of the saints. We believe in all of those things. And we believe in supporting missionaries who are taking the gospel to the far corners of the world while we're taking the gospel to our own living rooms and our own neighborhood and our own community. We believe in all of that. And all that time we're trying to lead people to Jesus and all we're trying to do is get them to a place where Jesus can stop by. And with no one talking to you, you feel it and you hear it. Brad, Brad, you need to get saved. Brad, I died on the cross for you. You're a sinner. You're guilty. But I love you and I'm paying your debt. Do you know what it's like? Do you know what it's like to sit there and have someone share the word of God and present to you Jesus Christ and all of his fullness? Not just the one who can heal sickness. Not just the one that we pray to to get us out of trouble. But the very one who can forgive us for all the wrongs that we have ever done. And for the reason that we're separated from God for all of eternity. But in that moment, while the gospel is being presented, I wish at times, I wish, Carson, I wish I could take someone by the collar and I wish I could shake them and say, do you not see it? Do you not believe it? Do you not recognize what Jesus has done? And I wish I could shake them into eternity, but I can't do that. It's the Lord coming by. And the Lord convicting the individual of their need in their life. And him just saying, come down. Because I want to spend time with you. If you're here this morning, listen to me. If you're here this morning, you've never made a profession of faith and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want you to know that God loves you. We just heard a wonderful display of God's grace. Because even when we're dirty, He wants to clean us. Even when we're filthy in our sin, even when our own self-righteousness are as dirty rags that are not worthy of God's goodness, Jesus is saying, come to me. I died on the cross for your sin, for the sin of the world. No one gets to heaven except through Jesus Christ. I remember... Years ago, I was in here in an auditorium with a young man who came to the altar to pray. And I remember we were having a conversation and we were standing right over there in front of the door as the service ended and I was talking to him. And I remember telling him, we was talking about sin and how we've all sinned and come short and how we've all failed because of our own unrighteous deeds. And I remember putting my arm around him and I turned him around and everyone here in the auditorium, they were sitting around, they were talking, some of them were leaving. I said, you see all of those people. 
I said, every one of those people who claim to be Christians were at one time exactly where you are right now, trying to figure out how to get to God. Every one of them came to realization that they were sinners and that they could not get to heaven on their own merit. And they recognized and understood the word of God and how that Jesus gave himself. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I said, just like you, at some time, suddenly, all of that came to a realization and a conviction. For my little girl, she's been taught it since she was born. This week, she finally put it all together. I said, every person who has ever gotten saved, any person who has ever spent eternity in heaven, they came to a realization that they needed Jesus. And I said, you're no different than they are, and they're no different than you. The only way in is through the blood of Christ. I remember him getting saved that day. Do you know what it is? To recognize that need in your life? Do you know what it is? Some, some of you perhaps, you're like the prodigal son. You've, always, you've been blessed and you've been in the father's house and you've recognized and you've seen God's blessing. But at some point in time, you got tired of it and you didn't want no more with it. And your heart and your mind and your spirit was drawn to this world. And you wanted to go live it up a little while, sow some wild oats, whatever you want to call it. And you decided, I'm going to get away from the father and I'm going to live it life and I'm going to do life on my terms. And one day you're sitting in a hog pen. And suddenly you recognize, what am I doing here? Why, how foolish have I been when I had it so good at the Father's house? And the Bible says the prodigal reasoned with himself, if I could just get back to the Father and maybe that he would receive me and just make me as one of his servants. And when he came, he found the Father running to him, put on the best robe that he had, put his shoes on his dirty feet, put the ring on his finger, killed the fatted calf and celebrated because the one that, that was, had, had been gone had now returned. And there are some who've been in the Father's house the entire time, but you've become so self-righteous. You've become so good, and you've gotten used to the program, and you know what to say, and you know what to do, and you know what to sing, but your heart is far from it. You're like the self-righteous brother of the prodigal. You never left, but your heart's been gone a long time ago. And he comes along. You're in a service like this right here. And suddenly the Lord is convicting you and you're thinking, yep, that's me. That's me. I don't want to admit it. I don't want anybody to know it. I'm going to continue to hide it, but that's me. That's me. I need to get it right. I want everyone to know this. You never got to God that he wasn't seeking you first. He knows exactly where you are. 
Zacchaeus didn't have to climb up in that tree and wave his arms and say, Over here, Jesus! Over here! Come over here! He didn't have to do it. Jesus knew exactly where he was. And may I give you this? He knew him by name before he was introduced. Zacchaeus, why don't you hurry up, make haste? What are you waiting on? Come down. Because I want to fellowship with you today. What are we waiting on? Why aren't we running to Jesus? He's a seeking Savior. Then I want you to see that Zacchaeus' encounter with Jesus made him aware of his own guilt in verse 7. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. I'm glad that Jesus don't care what everybody thinks. Amen? Man, this crowd, this side over here hears it. I'm glad this side over here that Jesus doesn't care what people think. He'll fellowship with you, Ricky. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about you. He wants to sit down with you. In the same way with Jason Jenkins. Doesn't matter your past. Doesn't matter your flaws. Doesn't matter what everyone else thinks. What everyone else says. Jesus will sit down beside you. I remember one time I had this guy in, in, uh, in our church. And... Uh, I'm telling you what, this guy was on fire for the Lord. He was serving. He was a railroad worker. And, uh, I mean, I went over to his house one Saturday to visit him. He had the do-rag on, and he was dirty and filthy, just as countries could be. They served me some fried green tomatoes for lunch, and we sat down, and we ate, and we talked. And God was transforming that guy's life. He was able to lead a couple of his boys to the Lord. And uh, just seeing God do wonders. And uh, his boys played uh, I think it was, I don't know if it's football or baseball in this particular season. But uh, I think it was football. And it was some rainy weather and the, uh, the other team called and asked if they could use our gym to just uh, line up and do some plays. And of course we let them do that. And I was talking to him and I said, hey, do you know this guy? And they said, yeah, I know this guy. And I said, well, he's, he goes to our church. And he says, well, he needs to go to your church. That's what he said. In other words, he had some kind of reputation. And I said, well, if you talk to him, he will tell you that he needs to go to this church. And he'll also tell you that his life is being transformed by the grace of Jesus Christ. And I am eyewitness to it every single week. The truth is, you need to be in this church. You need a relationship. Did I say that? Yes, I said that. Yes, I said that. I said, you need to recognize that you need what he has. Yeah, people said, he's a, he's a sinner. Why is Jesus fellowshipping with him? Why is Jesus sitting down with him? And they're murmuring. Jesus can hear every murmur. You don't have to, you don't have to get on Facebook and share it. You don't have to tell everybody else in the church. But he knows your murmurs. He hears your gripes, he hears your bad spirit, your bad heart. He knows all of that, and yet he wants to draw beside you because he knows that you need him. 
He doesn't need you, Lynn. He, he knows that you need him. And he draws up and he sits down beside him. Yes, he was a sinner. Zacchaeus knew that. Probably before this particular time, he wasn't willing to admit it. He sure wasn't ready to get right. But as Jesus is sitting there beside him, and he can see the faces of all the individuals looking at him, looking at Christ, I imagine that he began to feel just like I have felt many times, who am I that the Lord would care about me? Who am I that Jesus, of all the people in Jericho, Jesus wants to sit down beside me. Jesus wants to fellowship with me. I am not worthy. I am guilty. I am weak. Yet he still wants me. Zacchaeus is a counter, lastly, led to a willingness to make things right. You want to know a person's heart? You want to know if they got right? Watch what they do afterwards. There are times I've sat down with people and I've heard them pray, and I got up thinking, man, I hope they got saved. I don't know their heart. And I've seen them walk away and their life never changed. And I've seen people accept Christ as their Savior and their life changed dramatically. In verse number 8, Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. Zacchaeus immediately gave up 50% of everything that he had. Half of everything that he owned, he gave it to the Lord. And then he said, If I have taken money from an individual by false accusation, meaning I lied about them, I manipulated them to get from them what I wanted. Out of that remaining 50%, he says, I'm going to restore them four times what I took from them. Can I give you this? Zacchaeus, in that moment, that day, Lost everything physically. He lost it all. Everything that he had worked for, everything that he had wanted, everything that he took, everything that he stole, extorted, everything that he had, his bank account, his possessions, his retirement fund, everything. Was all gone. But Mike... Do you know the peace and the joy that he received? 
knowing for the first time in his life that he was right with God. And not only that, but Nick, he could look any man in the eye. He could look any man in the eye with a, with a sincere face and say, I did right. I did right. Before that time, if there was ever a time where his conscience bothered him and the sin weighed heavily on him, he couldn't do that. Maybe his conscience was seared and he could do that and it wasn't a problem. But for the first time, I mean, he knew what it was to put his head down at night and said, you know what, I did the right thing today. I didn't take from anybody today. I gave to everyone today. I'm going to tell you, that is, a, that is a changed life and that is a life worth living. It's never a good life to always be looking over your shoulder. It's never a good life to be spending something that was never yours to begin with. It's never your, a, a good life when you're sitting around enjoying something that really belonged to someone else. And finally on that day, because Jesus came by and said, Zacchaeus, yeah, I know who you are. Yeah, I know who you've been. And yeah, I know what everyone thinks of you. But would you hurry down that tree and come? Have some fellowship with me. Joyfully, he came down out of that tree. And joyfully, he got his life completely changed. When's the last time you got as quiet as you are right now? And the Lord starts getting in here and in here. And he's saying, why don't you come? Hurry up. Let's come and let's have a relationship together. Let's face all the murmurings together. Let's face your past together. Let's walk into the future together. Let's walk into eternity together. That's what an encounter with Jesus is. Week after week, people just sit. Oh, that's a good sermon, Pastor Ricky. I appreciate that. Oh, Pastor Ricky, you were in my head today. Would you live? Would you in my house this week? You know what's been going in my house. Pastor Ricky, you're stepping on my toes today. I'm not doing a thing. I'm just a messenger. I never was after your toes, I was after your heart. And I'm never after your compliment. It's the Lord drawing you to himself. 
to have a walk with him. And some of you, I dare say, in this, in this, in this auditorium have never accepted Jesus as Savior. I'm not asking you, do you believe in God? I'm saying, hey, have you came to the Lord and say, this is where it all stops for me. Today, I'm going with Jesus. I want Christ as my Savior. I want a new, transformed, a new shaped life. I want to have peace with God for the first time. And I'm not going to wait. I'm going to make haste. I'm going to choose Jesus Christ today. And some of you prodigals, you've been away from the Father. You've been running around. You've been living life on your own terms, doing things your own way. And you know, you know that's not why Christ saved you. You know he's got a different life for you. And we sit and we put our hands over our ears and we close our heart and we say, I don't want to change. I'm happy with the way things are. I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy with the things are. You just keep telling yourself that. But you never know what peace of God is. If you did, it wouldn't be bothering you right now. And some of you, you've been living for the Lord. Uh, you've been going to church. You've been doing all of these things. But you haven't been living for the Lord. You've been pretending You've been putting on a show, you've been putting on the face, and all along your heart is not right. And it's gone walking. And you're not on fire like you used to be, your passion is not what it used to be, and you're concentrating on everybody else. It's always somebody else's fault, it's always what somebody else is doing, it's always something else. It could never be you. when you ought to be the most excited person to come to the house of the Lord. Zacchaeus, Jimmy, Larry, John. I'm calling. Let's bow our heads.